comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. DCTV Podcast, episode 40. Our podcast is now officially middle-aged. It's starting to show its years. It's getting that roll around the center, but it knows what home, home equity is, and it knows, it knows how to get a good lawn. So, <laughs> and sad. is well-insured. Yes, well-insured. Life begins I'm still older. I'm still older. I am still older than the show as well. There, there, my friend. <laughs> it's okay now. Uh, but welcome again to DCTV Podcast, another solid four episodes of DCTV this week, um, two of them involving mayoral uh, disputes. So. Yes. <laughs> mayor's in danger, I guess would be the theme. Uh, you just don't forward. want to be the mayor of anything in the DC universe, that's for sure. Hell no. But uh, let us know who you'd vote for for mayor of Star City or Gotham. Would it be Daryl Taylor? I'd vote for him. Of course. Or would it be Rich the Chub Toad Sheldon? And I will I, take payoffs. <laughs> I wouldn't vote for him. I wouldn't want to be mayor. I like breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like it's like uh, half the shows this week, if you're a mayor, you've put a target on your back. You know. Yeah, I'd rough. rather be like the president of a fraternity, bro. Oh, no. Oh, we'll, get no. To the, we'll get to our brotastic eye zombie later. <laughs> oh, no. Beer bomb. Who's up for getting her balls wet? <laughs> well, <laughs> and I, I, I just real quick on the side man that uh, that dressed me out of police tape. Nice. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Pretty uh, cool. Yes, yes. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, we're already talking about live, and we should be talking about Gotham to start with, uh, since we're going in chronological order. Um, now, this episode once again had the rise of the villains. Um, prelude in the name of the title. Yeah. It's called Rise of the Villains Colon Strike Force. They're still rising, they, that's for sure. Yeah, well, it's weird. Like the very first episode had the Rise of the Villains thing, mm-hmm. and the last two episodes haven't, and now this episode has again. <laughs> I thought that we had read something in the summer about this whole Rise of the Villains. It's the whole arc of the season. Yeah, it's supposed and to it... be all season long, but like when it comes to the actual, if you look at the actual titles on IMDb, mm-hmm. The first yeah. episode and this episode say Rise of the Villains, but the second and third don't. Maybe somebody forgot. I don't know. Continuity sucks. That's all yeah. I'm say. <laughs> well, they don't even they don't even shoot the episodes in order anyway, which is so weird to me. Yeah, I I never understand that like, why why they don't shoot in an order. But uh... well, I mean, if they have a, if they have like a whole bunch of location shoots peppered throughout the the, the season, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense to go out there set up. You know, I mean, go out, set up later. You know, just to keep everything in chronological order when they know what you they're. You know what? Say. That's true. That's true. You know, 
Could also be actor schedules, too. A lot of these people are doing other projects. That's true. Yeah. Especially our new guest star this week, Mr. Michael Chiklis. Dun, dun, dun. Playing the commish, pretty much. Uh, when I'm happy mayor, to see him. Yeah. When I'm when I'm mayor, there will be all shows will be in order. Now the opening scene is uh, the penguin holding court over like a goth club. Pretty much, <laughs> it looked like you know the extras from a Tim Burton movie. They did never got made. <laughs> like lots of black eyeshadow, you know the whole emo <laughs> uh, aesthetic going on. And penguin is you know telling them that they uh you know shouldn't be fighting amongst themselves you know everybody's doing great ever since he took over you know why you know there shouldn't be any infighting um you know we should you know we should be gloriously reveling in our in our our triumph over the city um then he uh it's funny because he walks around he has to like call the meeting to order by shooting a shotgun into the ceiling (laughs) (laughs) and then walking around with his double barrel shotgun on his shoulder as he talks um, when he's done with the pep talk, Tabitha Galavan is there, um, kind of given, he kind of like, Butch doesn't like her immediately, and says, you know, Carr's waiting for Penguin to take him to meet Theo. Yes. It's be interesting. Butch is unstable. A little bit, a little bit, a little bipolar, as, as Penguin says. Um, meanwhile, uh, we're at, uh, at GCPD, they're kind of picking up the pieces after, uh, after everything that had gone on, and in walks, as I mentioned, Michael Chiklis as Captain Nathaniel Barnes. <laughs> what um, an entrance! He walks in, he 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 charges like six or seven of them. Well, first they say, now last week we said that they said it was about twelve fallen officers, right? <laughs> this yeah, week, no, 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 no. This week it's nine. Yeah, I, I noticed that. In, uh, I watched it back again on Hulu. They next said week it was nine. Be five. Yeah. Next week it'll be like <laughs> then it'll just be like you know someone stubbed their toe that day. It was really yeah. really. Bad. I do like how he made his entrance here though. You know, Gordon and that other cop arguing, arguing, arguing. He just walks up kind of calmly, but firmly and just picks up that chair and smashes it. It's yeah. Like, Hello. He comes like, up like Gordon did when at first, because at first they were, you know, kind of lax, and Gordon had yelled at them. Well, that's what I was going to say. He's out Gordon and Gordon. Yeah. You know what I mean, he's like, this yep. was Gordon's whole shtick when Gordon first started. Mm-hmm. You know, Law and Order, I'm going to bring back Law, you know, Law to Gotham, and they're going to clean up this town and all this other stuff. He's like the ultra Gordon to Gordon. You know what I mean? Um, he Which calls Gordon in a little pickle. Yeah, a little bit. We'll get to that in a, in a minute. But uh, he calls out like six or seven of the officers on the floor, charges them with crime, with crimes, throws their files at him, tells them tell them to get out, and they arrest them. And then the <laughs> one guy says, "Yeah, they, he can't fire him. He has rights." He goes, "Oh, you've got rights." And he starts reading them his rights. He's you yeah, know, you can't cuss him like a perp, and uh, just to mean, you know let everybody know he means business. He says, "You know he." You know, he goes over what had happened. He goes, are, are you ashamed? Because I wasn't even here, and I'm ashamed. And then finally, uh, uh, as he walks back, he calls, Barnes calls uh, Gordon into his office. Uh, they have a little bonding for a moment over both being uh, former soldiers. And then uh, Barnes names Gordon as second in command. And then uh, tells Gordon, <laughs> and uh, just to follow up on the storyline a little bit, the next morning he calls uh, Lee's house to find Gordon. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, everybody knows you're banging the Emmy. That was exactly. so great. Meet me at the police <laughs> academy at, at 700. That, that was hilarious. 
And uh, Harvey Bullock, you know, warns Gordon, you know, Gotham is not a law and order type town, you know. He said the same thing to him last season. He was on a tirade, remember? That's true. Doesn't Um, work that way. Meanwhile, Theo meets with Penguin. Penguin puts two and two together, realizes that Theo is the one behind the maniacs, but does not understand why. Mm -hmm. Um, Tabitha calls uh, the king of Gotham more like the king of garbage. Uh, Penguin explains, you know, a year ago I was holding Fish Mooney's umbrella, you know, and, and, uh, you know, she underestimated me, uh, Marconi underestimated me, Falcone underestimated me. I wouldn't make the same mistake if I were you. Sam and Tabitha, not on, not on good terms here. Um, Theo shows, uh, Penguin this giant, uh, like, it was, it almost looked like a hologram, you know what I mean? The way he had it lit up or whatever of, uh, of this giant urban renewal project, but unfortunately, it's uh, you know, it's going to take a lot of residential people, you know, places, and uh, only a mayor with a clear mandate from the people could have, you know, have enough power to get that made. Yep. Is that happening? Um, Penguin's like, look, you know, I'm not the guy you're looking for. You need an assassin. Uh, look under A in the phone book. This is Gotham. You can find him anywhere. <laughs> um. Theo and Tabitha, you know, lead him out the door. He's like, oh, wait, I, you know, I thought you were a man of vision. But instead, I guess I have to do this. He flips on the TV, and it turns out that he has his mother. Uh, he has Penguin's mom, you know, played by the great comedic actress Carol Kane, um, locked up somewhere. And he says, look, kill these dudes for me, and I will let your mother live and let her go. Uh, so Penguin is having his one weak point exploited. Well, all it, it's but, so. Only thing that made me question it was, uh, why in the hell would you be the kingpin of the town and not have guards? Somebody watching your mom. Yeah, yeah. I thought that myself. It seemed it seemed kind of easy for them yeah. to acquire his mom, especially yeah. the way he feels about his mom. He She's probably still in the same place, the apartment yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he you know so he strong arms Penguin into doing his dirty work. Mm-hmm. Um, Barnes meets Gordon at the academy, the police academy, uh, early in the morning, 7 a.m. Explains to him that the only way they're going to get a group of incorruptible cops, or by getting cops that have yet to be corrupted, did by, it, by hiring rookies. Did it have that untouchable feel from the movie? Very much so, because that's exactly the rationale yeah. <laughs> that Elliot Ness uses uh, with Andy Garcia to get a, his, his group together. They're all yeah, yeah. rookies that haven't had a chance to be corrupted yet. Which I loved. I love that. I mean, well, you know, it makes sense. I to thought it worked. We next go to Theo Gallivan, who's receiving the key to the city, or Medal of Valor, or something like that, for after what happened with Jerome. He was able to, uh, you know, subdue Jerome and save everyone's life. And while he is there, uh, Penguin uh, does a faux hit on him, with, uh, you know, Butch hanging out at the top of the car and shooting at Gallivan, but not very strikingly. Right. Nobody gets hit by bullets. So but fake. But it's enough to give a dramatic uh, uh, counterpoint to Theo's announcement that he will indeed run for mayor. Yeah. That's a bit over the top, but still good. Yeah. Uh, also, to keep Mama Co- Penguin safe, uh, Penguin and Butch show up at Janice Caulfield, uh, one of the other mayoral candidates' uh, um, offices. Oof. That episode, or that part was pretty brutal and pretty really brutal. funny all at the same mm-hmm. time, which is kind of like. 
you know, we keep talking about the tone of the show. I mean, we have this campy villain in Theo Gallivan. And you know yeah. what was really funny? We watched uh, Batman 66 tonight, my family, and the Joker had the same plan. That he was going to run for mayor <laughs> by eliminating all the other mayoral candidates and the Joker would run for mayor and take over Gotham. I remember that. Uh, pretty funny. I didn't realize that until that came on the other day. But um, Penguin goes in and brutally stabs her, you know, himself by hand, while Butch holds on to the other um, uh, aides in the office. Tells them, you know, as he picks up a clipboard that he has their names and addresses and not to call the police too quickly. Wow. Um. Meanwhile, Bruce Wayne has gone back to school. <laughs> and while um, Alfred is waiting to pick him up and uh, Selena is there to uh, to visit you know to visit with Bruce, uh-huh. Alfred bitch slaps Selena in a major he, way. I was kind of surprised there. It's an adult like, oh, slapping a child. Exactly. Yes. And he did it so fast. like I didn't even there wasn't even a pause. There was just a smack. And then he just totally chastised her, and, and that was it. Like, yeah, I was surprised by that. Did Gotham has really done some things that that uh, usually you don't do on TV, at least not at eight o'clock. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like I said, it's an adults uh, adults striking a child. It really. Yeah. I was like, wow, you know, all the all the other violence and brutality and blood in the show, and that is the one thing that stuck out to me. Was, on top yeah. of that. Uh, Penguin slashed the throat of an older woman. Yeah, well, I mean, well, that wasn't even. A, hmm? I was gonna say that 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 scene with um him and that mayoral candidate, you know, and she's like, "Please don't kill me. I'm a mother." And he goes, "I have a mother too." Yeah, and like he he's like st- he stabs her over and over and over. Yes, and, like many times, very brutally. That was that was. I mean, to show I like I there are lines that it just crosses left and right. I'm just surprised, but I'm okay with it. I'm not complaining. I'm just, I mean, I'm I think it's surprised. making it a great show. It's just it's surprising that NBC standards and practices is letting all this through at eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah, it's just like like I said, it's just this weird mix of like I said, the high camp and the, mm-hmm. the brutal violence. Yeah, you know, at at one at one end, Theo Gallivan is silly. As yeah, a villain. He just and the way James and the way uh, James Frame, the actor who plays him, plays it. He plays it very much that way, like totally. you know, just like very over the top and very you know, very on the nose and stuff. And like he's it, such you know, a good actor. Yeah, he's really good. And like you know, just to that line. The on I mean, one end, he's like kind of silly, and you can laugh at him. But on the other hand, he's like this brutal killer, you know, with no hesitation. You know, um, it's just this weird mix and like I'm, I'm glad that gotham has like a tone now and that they're kind of staying to it <laughs> and i'm kind of understanding it more and more as it goes on you know but, oof, that's but yeah alfred bitch slapping selena like that and he says that was for reggie because he knows that selena had something to do with reggie's death and then he basically tells her you know to beat it and you know not to see bruce anymore this is the first thing in discipline that she's had in the entire show so far yeah People have just let her slide uh, and do the things that she's done. Like, that's been the only time that, that a parent is really... I mean, he he really went in, but I, I hope to see this type of uh, of Alfred do that with, with Bruce. I mean, be that oh, yeah. strong. Like, the only thing sometimes that gets annoying is that Alfred kind of falls back 
and lets Bruce get away with stuff. And I don't think he should. And I hope that, you know, now um, this is a sign of, of, of Alfred being more, a little bit more of a disciplinarian or more of a parent than just uh, being a bodyguard. Right. Well, he handed him his uh, gym clothes. Basically mm-hmm. made yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, he, yeah. you know, in this scene, you're saying that he's more of a disciplinarian or whatever. You know, he pick, he's there, uh, Bruce thinks to pick him up. But actually, mm-hmm. he's there to hand him his running shoes and and sweats because he has a six hundred eight mile run home, which I love that he did that. Like, and then time. he takes off yep. left. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Bruce needs to do some sort of training. Yeah, um, whether it's martial arts or physical, mental. Because he won't even go. To... I mean, it, like he, it was. I mean, it was like he was just doing whatever the hell he wanted to do. Like he didn't was he wasn't doing anything. So it was good to see that you know this kind of changing. Later in the episode, we see Bruce meeting with Theo Gallivan at a very fancy restaurant that looks really similar to where they were holding Fish Mooney mm-hmm. and her friends with like those low stone ceilings and everything. Uh, it was kind of weird. But um, as him and, uh, he and Theo are talking, Bruce looks out the window and he sees this uh, really pretty blonde girl like playing in the um, fountain <laughs> outside. It turns out that it's Theo's ward, Silver St. Cloud. It is so it is so funny how Theo pretty much how he gets everyone is he gives them what they want. Like he he always does that. Either he gives them what they want or he can't do that. He takes something away that they love. It's interesting. I'm wondering what his future plans for Bruce are. Why he needs him to be you know like on Silver's you know uh, wrapped around Silver's finger or whatever. You know as well as you know having to bring up the investigation of his parents' death again. Well, I think he, if I'm if I'm following the thing of what he's doing is, uh, Bruce is still the child, like he is the child of Gotham, meaning that everyone knows him. He's the orphan. He's pretty much the orphan of Gotham, because of what happened to his parents, and I think it makes him seem even more of a, of a, um, of a of a leader in in the community by by linking up with Bruce. Yeah, it was. It's. It'll be interesting to see what it'll be interesting to see what he plays, uh, what part he plays. Yeah, I still think he wants to kill him, but I think first he wants to. He wants to befriend him. Hmm. Interesting. I think he'd probably be a better ally for for Gallivan and you know getting into the mayoral race or whatever. Oh, totally. Yeah, because oh, yeah, that's you know, what I'm thinking. Uh, it is kind of weird that he's trying to like you know, pip out his ward, and this what is like. I don't know how old is Bruce. Twelve. Mm-hmm. How old is Silver? Same school. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's really kind of creepy. He doesn't care. If you think about like it too he, much. He pips out his sister when he needs to pimp out his sister That's to get true. Barbara. He he doesn't care really. I mean, it, it doesn't even. And then takes her away from him from his sister. Like it doesn't even matter to him. So he he's he I'm has a goal. To, hmm? I'm trying to remember the storyline with. With her in the comics, with who Saint Cloud? So, yeah, basically so, she was just a girlfriend, and then yeah. she 
I remember she. I just she was um, introduced in the seventies during the Steve Englehart run uh, when Marshall right. Rogers was drawing the book because he was yeah. tired of of the other love interests that were going on and he had just come off. Um, they just come off the um, the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams run where you know he had been pining for Talia that whole time. He wanted to have a new kind of romantic interest for Bruce Wayne more so than Batman, and that's where Silver Saint Cloud came in. She was the Gwen Stacy of Batman. Right, she's very seventies right. too. Mm-hmm. Very like disco glamour kind of looking. Yeah, I, I was right. just I was trying to remember because I hadn't read that character in so long, except for when uh, Kevin Smith used her. You know, in his she uh, was she was run. one of the many women. There was a yeah. few women in Bruce's life where he was about to quit being Batman for. Right, and yep. she was one of them. Those Engelhart Rogers books, by the way, they're uh, uh, collected mm-hmm. in a couple of trades called Dark Detective, Batman Dark yes. Detective. And if you see them at a con or whatever, they're well worth picking up. I've got them, and they're some really right. good Batman and Marshall Rogers cool. art. It's just beautiful. And they, they put them out digitally too, and they've been having sales. So I, I uh, good good call, Daryl. Good call. If you don't do comics, you do digital. Definitely uh, give a look out for that. Yeah, that I bought a bunch of that. Yeah, I bought a bunch of those, and those stories are darker than you think. Like yeah, they're like really good. They're, yeah, the well, they were trying to win Batman back after Batman '66. I mean, Daniel right. and Neil Adams right. set that whole like Rachel Ghoul, son of the demon storyline to kind of bring Batman back to his pulpier roots, and yeah, they were trying to run the ball. Well, the people, ball mis- people mistakenly think that it was only after Batman Returns with um, Miller that that's when it got kind of dark with Batman, and and it really wasn't. It, it no. was a progression. No, it definitely like yeah, like you said, it's a progression. Like it kept going from you know Silver Age crazy, you know, weird and and goofy to Mm -hmm. dark and serious. And it's weird because you know, bringing it back to Gotham, it's kind of a mix of both. You know, kind of the silly and and super serious Batman all in one. Right. Uh, We also get a good uh, a good part of this episode devoted to Mister Edward Nigma. He saved Kristen Kringle's life, and then him and his alter ego kind of argue back and forth about how they should go about. Either asking her out for a date, uh, his alter ego is just like, "Hey man, she owes you. Mm-hmm. You know, you saved your life. You should just, you know, take what is yours." And he's like, you know, keeping that alter ego back. Uh, he ends up writing her a note and inviting her to chez moi for dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, she shows up thinking it's a restaurant, but it actually means my house. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I guess Kristen, Kristen doesn't know much French, no. uh, but anyway, you know. Um, uh, Enigma, you know, has made a, you know an immaculate dinner for the both of them. They eat, and uh, this, you know, she mentions Officer Doherty in passing, and uh, Enigma says, "Oh, well, I'm glad he's dead." Ooh. Kind of slipping up, you know, slipping up, uh, up uh, the, you know, oh no, he just went out of town, but no, he is actually kind of let let loose that he, you know, he knows that he is dead or whatever. Um, but they still have a, a sweet moment together, and he kind of uh, opens up to her about the voice in his head, and they uh, they kiss. And uh, that's about it. That's about all that there is in that, that storyline. Um, it, it's interesting uh, that you know here they're setting him up for this. You know what kind of, what could be a redemption for him, but we know what happens. Yeah, you know the fall yeah. is coming. Yeah, it's it's so. like it's almost telegraphed in in the way that they they're together now. But mm-hmm. it's all good. He's I really like that actor. Um, the way he plays that character, very, it's very well. Well, yeah, um, we, something's gonna happen to her. That's gonna be that's gonna be the catalyst. That's what's gonna. Well, send he's him gonna over. slip up about 
the killing the you know it i mean it, it, it tells yeah. you so much he's gonna give it up that he killed her and she's still gonna be suspicious anyway because he slipped up and said that right the um the last mayoral candidate remains uh this seems to be a harder one for penguin to get done so he sends his buddy victor zaz to do the job Oof. um and who you know makes it away from gordon and his cops but gordon seeing zaz knows now who is behind this uh, the killing of the mayors. Uh, Gordon visits Penguin in his house, confronts him. Penguin's like, "Look, dude, you know you don't want to get busted any more than I do." You know, um, he tell you know he, he knows he has the power over Gordon for killing Ogden Barker. He's like, you know, he, you know he he's, he tells you know Penguin you know he's willing to face whatever punishments come his way, and Penguin's like, "So am I." And. uh that's about it. That's about it for the episode of Gotham. Yeah. Good one. Another yeah. good one. Um, you know, and it, of course, ended then with Chickless talking about the penguin is going to be. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I forgot about that. Stuff. Yeah, the thing of the episode was uh, Gordon back in the the, uh, the GCPD. He's, you know, with his new strike force or whatever after they'd gone, you know, gone after Zaz. And he said, well, we're going to take down public enemy number one for Gotham. We're going to go after the penguin. And he slams the penguin's file on the table. Yeah. So that's got Gordon in between a rock and a hard place now. Oh, yeah. A little bit. What, little bit. You, you know, in Chicklist, the, the character of Chicklist, I keep, because it's Gotham, every time he talks about, you know, like being honest and all this stuff, I keep waiting for him to just stab him in the back with a shiv. Like, there's been so many times where you think things are going to go right and then something goes wrong, especially in people of authority. It just made me keep thinking of uh, of Two-Face, of Harvey Dent, when he was talking like that, and then he just crumbled. I'm going to call it now, and this is, uh, I guess it's not a spoiler because it's just my hunch, mm-hmm. but I think Barnes is working for Galavan. I keep thinking it's got to be, it's too because good to be Because if, if, if Galavan wants to have this you know big mandate from the people or whatever and to think he's mm-hmm. the hero... He's going to need Barnes there to clean right. things up independently of what he is doing. Unconnected. That makes him. sense. I think you're that right. Once, once everything is, is is fixed or whatever, he gets past the the thing with Penguin, and you think it's all good, probably. That's when the turn you find out that he's working for him. I just um, that's that's my gut gut feeling because it seems see like it. it'd be part of his plan. I just keep waiting for something to happen. I just, it just, I can see it though. Totally. Okay, what do you guys give this episode of Gotham? I would, I would, it, it is, for me, it has it continued to stay at a level, which is what I've been hoping. Like, if, the up and down thing we've talked about many times, this is still steady. This has still been a steady uh, episode that has just been just good as the previous one. So I, I still put it up there with the, I give it a four. Yeah, I agree. It's it's definitely like you said earlier, Jim. With we found what its tone's going to be, and you know, and and I'm accepting it week over week, and and understanding it more, and just loving it. So, um, it's just you know, one minute you you do have a minute of cheesy brevity, but then the next minute you have this dark thing that happens, mm-hmm. and it's just. Uh, that that entire dichotomy and just all that's going on, it, it just it, it's 
so much better than the first season. Um, it, but for different reasons, and and I'm I'm with Daryl. It stays up there near the top. I'm going to give it a a minus. Something I've been uh, I've been I've been thinking about uh, that maybe Jada Pinkett Smith was trying to go for the kind of tone that James Frame is as Theo Gallivan, but wasn't quite getting it. Maybe because I mean, without maybe. her, it seems like the 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 camp and the the violent factors have seemed to kind of evened out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So I don't, you know, I don't know if it's coincidence that she's out of the picture or whatever, but uh, I also give it a four. I think it was a solid episode, and this season has been a great improvement over the first season. I don't think it shows me for everybody. I think bat bat purists and you know people who have a you know very definite idea in mind of what Batman is should probably stay away. Right. But if you have an open mind to what Gotham has to bring. And you're you know willing to deal with it and run, roll with it a little bit, then I think you're gonna find a fun show. Um, we also had a, a good Facebook uh, comment about Gotham from Jason Foss. Uh, another solid episode of Gotham last night. Gallivan and his sister are great villains, and I'm enjoying watching them work their plan for taking over the city. Not sure about the new captain; seems a little too gung ho for me. But I like how they they're tying what Gordon did to Penguin into that. Will Gordon be found out, and will Gwen, Penguin? Be able to get out from under Gallivan's thumb. The only thing I'm not really sold on is Nigma's story. It feels like it's floundering a little right now. I'd like to see it take a major step forward soon. But hey, great season thus far. I agree. It's very much most improved. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Let's move on to a show that didn't need to improve because it was already kick-ass and still is. Uh, the Flash. With the title... Flash of two worlds, everybody. Yes. What? All you comic geeks out there all, all know what I'm talking about, yo. And all you people who just watch the show like, casually are all like, what? <laughs> but uh, it's all good. That pic slash gif that Carlos Carmona posted yesterday on our Facebook group. Yeah. So, just the cover of the Flash of homage. two worlds from mm-hmm. back when and then. Oh, so great. Well, what so he's great. referring to is a, uh, a scene in this uh, episode that the the very first epi- the very first comic book to ever uh, broach the idea of a multiverse of an Earth two uh, was uh, Flash number one twenty three, and uh, it was a, a way for DC to be able to capitalize on their forties comics with the old characters and also keep their new characters around and explain you know both of them in in one one mythology, and uh, they. The cover, the iconic cover from that uh, comic was recreated in the episode. Very very well, too, I might uh-huh. add. Very, very smartly. Um, and if you would like to see the gift that he's referring to, then check out the DCTV Podcast Facebook group, because it's prominently d- displayed right there. Yeah. Um, but this episode picks up right where the last episode left us, with uh, Jay Garrick introducing himself as... You know the you know the telling introducing himself and telling him that his world is in danger. Um, he explains the story. Um, he says, you know, he's on the brink of death at the hands of Zoom. They show the fight on Earth too. Um, on the rooftop, Zoom is about to kill him. And this is the first like real good look we've gotten of Zoom. Yeah, and yeah. it's all blurred out by super speed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I don't know. I have like a weird theory that it might be Eobard Thawne or Eddie Thawne of some some sort. You know, like somehow through the singularity. But I, I was don't thinking know. Eddie. This guy has a bigger frame than either of those. Wouldn't it be something if it was another version of Barry? Ooh. Oh, yeah. 
because this is someone who really wants to completely be the you know the only Flash. I mean, well, I was thinking, what if it was the alternate Earth version of Eobard Thawne? Could be that too. Yeah, because you know? be. I mean, we get that stinger at the end of this episode that we'll get to with Wells. Mm-hmm. So it could, I mean, it could be. Um, it turns out that uh, you know we we see the flashback of, of Jay fighting Zoom, and then we see the singularity opening up in the sky, and him and Zoom being pulled through. Uh, Jay has been hiding out in Central City for six months, kind of watching Barry and the gang to figure out where they were uh, mm-hmm. before approaching them. Uh, but Barry's not quite ready to take him at his word, and he wants some tests run. Uh, Caitlin is very happy to give him these tests. Oh, is she? A little too oh, happy. Wow. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for Ronnie being gone, like, what, a f- you know, six months or whatever? Six months or more. <laughs> Yeah, she's already. She's like, got a little okay. brown chicken. She tried on the mind. I yeah. mean, she's trying to fight it, but damn, he is a, a big, strong, talking specimen of a man. Uh, Caitlin gives him the full rundown and uh, also a lie detector test, which he passed. Yeah. And uh, he seems totally normal except for his his blood pressure and everything is, is kind of low, but he doesn't have any of the speed force in him. Um, Cisco and Stein kind of break it down and uh, explain the multiple reality business that so tried to to Joe. Loved it. But Joe was like a little too much. It's it a little so too much moment jumbo. He's like, I'm out of here, buddy. You're making my head hurt. You know, you, you know what I love great. about what I love about the show is having all the characters be there. They're, everyone serves a purpose, especially for when things like this happen. And Joe, he is us. Especially he is I think Joe even more than us, because we read the comics Joe is for the people that are not ever going to pick up a comic or they have no interest in comics. He's the one that asks the right questions so that we get the right explanation right away. Yeah, and then when, you know, it doesn't really matter, I guess, how deep the explanation goes. He just waves his hand and walks away. Exactly. Uh, Barry is very distrustful of Jay and keeps him him down in the particle accelerator. I can't be hurt anymore. Um, Yeah, he... Well, you know, the cut the Wells is cutting him uh rain really deep. Mm-hmm. Um so but as he's talking to Jay down in the particle accelerator, a fire breaks out. And uh Barry comes to put it out with his arm turbine move, which uh you know, we've seen before. Yeah. And the fire is out, but there's something else going on there. He gets hit by a giant fish shaped pile of sand. <laughs> um Sandman. I'm sorry, Sand Demon. That's <laughs> right. Excuse me. I, I mixed up my, my comic book universes there. <laughs> um, so it starts pummeling on Barry. Barry can't get away from him or can't uh, can't fight back because he's you know a pile of sand. And Barry flees, and, you know, before being really beaten up too hard. Um, Jay Garrick tells him, you know, that it's not sand; it's actually his skin cells. Um, this guy is, you know, they call him Sand Demon. He's from Garrick's Earth. And uh, that Zoom probably sent him into this world to kill the Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cisco has to inform Jay that uh, he's the one that comes up with the names there. Although he does approve of Sand Demon. All right. Yes. Cisco kind of swoons for him, too. He likes the guy. Like, everyone seems to really like this guy right Except now. Except Barry. Except for Barry. Barry has, you know, has no trust in him whatsoever. You know, Jay is like, look, I can even help you take him out. I can show you how to take him out. You know, there's this technique that I used to do. Um, I'm back on Earth too, But Barry's like, that's okay. I will figure it out, and I don't need your help. But um, 
we were introduced to Miss Patty Spivet in this. Uh, oh yes, was... we were. I love her already. Really? I, I did. Thought she was kind of. Yeah. Well, I liked her. Oh, I thought rapport. she was great. I liked her rapport with Barry. I think Barry needs something other than being involved in the team. Like right, he, right now, he's had no friends other than everyone who knows his deal. We um she she is trying to get into Joe's metahuman task force. Mm-hmm. Uh, he declines, but she's not the type to say no, and she captures the guy, the Earth One version of the, the dude Slick, aka the Sam Demon, um, just as Barry and Joe are on his tail. Uh, they bring in the Earth One version who has no superpowers, and Barry and Spivet have a moment. Uh, she's a fan of his. Yeah, she's read all his forensic reports. Um, <laughs> which is really kind of funny, but there's like a nice little connective moment there, and I'm thinking, oh, Iris. That's what I liked about that. That little thing yes. that they had, a little little. They interrogate Slick, uh, the Earth One version of Slick, mm-hmm. and uh, they got nothing on him. No, and he claims innocence. He has an alibi. He has nothing to do with what happened. So they have to let him go. They cut him loose. And he walks like down this hill, and up coming back up the hill is the Earth Two version of Slick, um, knocking Joe out with a sand punch, and then he kidnaps Spivet. Oh, that poor Joe! At that age, I know how it feels when you get hit with a gigantic fist like that. <laughs> uh, Slick brings her to a uh, an old greenhouse. It looks like an old gross site or whatever. Yeah. Uh, which he needs to keep his molecules from drying up. It has to be somewhere, you know, moisture uh, dense, like kind of humid. And he makes a combust. He's building a concussive bomb that he's going to rig to Patty's chair, but Patty's like a resolute, you know, the Flash will save her. Not a big deal. Um, she believes in the Flash saving her. Um, Cisco touches the sand from the sand demon and has a vision. I mean, there's another way to describe it, really, of where Patty is. And that he's building a concussive bomb. He kind of, his ability or whatever is kind of, you know, tuning him into these Earth 2 people, it seems. Um, what is that kind of like he has connections between both worlds now? Or he gets these vibes. Right. You might right. say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Um, in the interim, Barry is, is uh, has a moment with Jay, and he's like, you know, he says to let him help, and Iris gives Barry a pep talk about, you know, he's, he's given up on trusting people after reverse flash, but he has to believe in other people or they're not going to believe in him. Yeah, she's his moral support that he needs right now. Right. She's also kind of the voice of skepticism in a room full of scientists, too. That, too. Yeah, that true. Too. She actually she... is, like, fulfilling a role this season, which is cool. Well, she is like she's not the like she's not the scientist of the brain, but she's the one that kind of gets them on on point. You know, it kind of gives them the direction that they need because they nerd out often. Right. Um, Barry decides to let Jay teach him a new move, uh, a way to hurl the lightning that he generates when he runs. Uh, I like, like, it. like her. It's so lightning. cool. Yeah, it did look cool. And they go to try to train in the particle accelerator, but Barry's not quite getting it. Um, and as they do, uh, as they're down their training, Cisco comes uh, running up to explain his hunch. Um, 
about the abandoned place where Spivet's being held. Um, and it doesn't matter if Barry's got his trick or not. Uh, they need to go immediately because, you know, he Cisco also gets the vibe about the bomb. Mm-hmm. Uh, they decide to play a bit of a trick on Slick. Yeah, Barry asks Jay if he has his costume with him, you know, because Slick does not know that Jay, you know, he's like, let's give him the flash, but not the one he thinks. Mm-hmm. And uh, tells Jay to suit up, pretty much. Um, Barry speeds Jay to the building where Slick's hiding out, and Jay, um, you know, distracts Slick while Barry is able to get to Patty and disarm the bomb and save her life, pretty much. Um, but, you know, there's still some blowback from the bomb. Uh, Jay is injured, too. Uh, Barry gives the lightning strike one last try and pulls it off and turns Sand Demon into glass. Yeah, I and this, and this, and this is where we get that Flash uh, 123 homage. Oh, yeah. Uh, Jay and Barry both going to race to save Patty. It's laid out just like the comic book cover. I, I kept wishing, though, when he shot the lightning that it hit uh, Jay, too, and, and kind of ignited his speed force. Oh, that would have been cool. Well, what do you think it is that he doesn't have the speed force in this? I think because he's on, not start. on his earth. I think he's not I, on his earth. I think he needs a jump start. I think when he came here, I, if anything happens, I think maybe they could set it up that he would need like a jump start, like a battery when he comes here. Like a flashpoint. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't think it's because he's on a different earth necessarily because those villains are from his earth and their stuff worked. Yeah. You know? So there's I don't something know. something he's missing. It's like there's just a jump that he's he's not he needs something probably to ignite his power. I'm pretty sure something with lightning is gonna happen again. Yeah. That's why I thought it was gonna be, you know, it was gonna be Barry doing that. But because it's there. Like he has the regenerative regener regenerative uh powers are there. Uh his metabolism is working like a speedster would. Um even his, like, even his pressure and stuff, even when things are happening, you, you, a normal person's pressure would be up. You know, everything would, the levels would be higher than his heart rate and everything. And, and his maintains, like, a, like flashes does right. the same thing. So it's all there. It's just that he just doesn't have the power. So I think that that's what it is. Um, back at the base, Caitlin patches up Jay. And we kind of have a moment. Um, Barry and Jay kind of have a moment as well. You know, he kind of realizes he can trust Jay, and uh, you know, explains to him, you know, that uh, you know that someone you know was like a mentor to him to betray him. He goes, you know, that that's rough, but that's not me, kid. You know, I wish he was Jay. I wish he had been the Flash longer than like he was the older. See, now when I originally heard they were going to cast Jay Garrick, I thought it was going to be like the Jay Garrick in his fifties. That's the way he was, was when they first introduced him right. in the, the Flash comic with Barry Allen. Right. I mean, you can ex- he looks old. He like he his 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 mannerisms are of an older man. His the way that he uh, talks to Barry is of a is someone of a, a more mature man who's been born a little a lot earlier than what you know than what you see. Like he almost talks to him like he's from the. McCarthy right. era, the way that he he talks to him and stuff. Mm. 
So it's well, just like everything is. Th- you don't know though. I mean, he's had. He said that he's been flashing his world for a little over two years, but he's who knows where how far advanced he got with the Speed Force. He may have done a lot of time. He may have gathered a lot more experience in those two years than a normal human being would well, have. He did. He's able I mean, to move he, through time. He's able to, you know, and all. He already that. knew how to. He knew how to do the, you know, do the the flash thing. He knew how to do the lightning strike. So he yeah. does like all the parts are there that he's older and been has been flashed longer than Barry. Mm-hmm. Like it's all there. It's just that the two years it seems like a short time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I wish I kinda wish they had gone for a little bit of an older flash or more mature. Even if it was just experience. ten. Even, even if it was just ten years, that's He might be been. he might be ten years older than Grant Gustin, the actor they have playing him now. No, I don't mean being Oh, flash, just being the flash for that yeah. one. Yeah. 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 Um, Joe finally gives in and brings Spivet on to his one-person task force. Uh, and he finds out why she has such a fire under her butt to be on it. It's because uh, Mark Martin uh, killed her father in a robbery. And she doesn't like the idea of bad people out there who can do anything. It's, it's, it's cheesy, but I liked it. It, it, it was a good scene. It worked. Right. Um, Cisco's vibe power has uh, grown, has no, uh, gotten the notice of Stein. He makes me mad, Cisco, right now. It's he's he's doing that TV trope of something's happening that's important that the team should know about, but I won't tell. Mm-hmm. And not even a good reason for not telling. Uh, yeah, I was no. gonna say there's no, no motivation for keeping it secret except for maybe the whole trope of I don't want to distract the team from what's going on right now. But kind this of is trope, all they but, do. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I agree. Do. He makes Stein promise not to tell the rest of the team about his vibe issues. Um, but the good doctor, as he's going in, and they're they're finally looking at the electrographic uh, uh, um, scan they took of the city, uh, looking for the breach that Zoom is using to travel through to send these uh, villains through. Mm-hmm. And they find that there are not one breach. There's not one breach. There aren't two breaches. There aren't even three breaches. How many How breaches many? are there, guys? How many? There's fifty-two. Fifty-two. And if you again, if you're a comic book fan, you understand the significance of that being the number of multiverses in the DCU proper right now. Um, also, a uh, number of weeks in a year for the 52 weeks that the 52 book came out. Um, but there are 52 breaches between the worlds that Zoom could use to travel through. And as soon as uh, it comes to this realization, Stein collapses. And it says the biggest one happens to be there at Star Labs. And then Stein collapses to the floor. Yeah, I was like, what the... He looked yeah. a little disheveled, but I didn't know what was. I thought he was just excited. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think he, he was. I didn't, uh, yeah, it was weird. Um, also, we get a scene of Joe at the uh, police station. He's coming down the stairs, and this very striking woman comes in and asks Joe how he's been. Joe looks visibly shaken or whatever. Uh oh. And he says, she, "He says, what are you doing here?" And she says, "I wanted to see my husband and my daughter." Dun dun dun! Is Mrs. West, Uh-oh. or the former Mrs. West, or whatever you know? Right. Um, which I mean, they, like I guess they had alluded to earlier her being dead, but I guess not. Nope. So there she is, and the final stinger of the episode. We are taken to this weird kind of Art Deco version of our Earth. It almost looks like Bioshock. Mm-hmm. On that forties, fifties, like streamlined. Art Deco aesthetic, and there are a bunch of school kids, oddly dressed, 
um, and a woman who looks like she's dressed in the 40s or 50s uh, doing a tour of Star Labs. But it's not the Star Labs we know. It looks like it from the outside, but on the inside, it's very different. Right. Um, and her face brightens up and says, oh, we have a very special treat tonight, children. Uh, the man who created all of Star Labs and the, the man behind it all, Mr. Harrison Wells. And out walks Tom Cavanaugh as Harrison Wells in a really spiffy jacket and, and suit, kind of haughty and not in a wheelchair at all. But he just kind of, you know, smiles and waves at the kids. Now, do you think he's a good guy? I don't know. In I, this, now, if, he's, if he wasn't taken over by Thawne, on Earth too, then he is a good guy. He's like well, I, the guy that Barry looked yep. up to originally, and and all the other stuff. But he doesn't have any of the history with Barry, no, and the group that the others have. And I, I mean, we don't even know. And he mentions, and um, when Jake Garrick is talking to uh, Caitlin, he taught, or or no, I'm sorry, he's talking to Barry and he explains how he got his powers. It doesn't have anything to do with Star Labs. Right. He says he was trying to, you know, non. He was trying to take the radiation out of heavy water, you know, in oh, his own water. in his own lab or hard water. I'm sorry, in his own lab. Mm-hmm. Um, on, you know, and you know, he says like, he's a part-time physicist, part you know, part-time hero, blah blah. But so Star Labs doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with creating the Flash in that world. Right. I think that that's for that uh, version of uh, what you call it. I think he. It's just another version like a, a separate version that didn't get taken over or killed or whatever right. or didn't i don't even think he'll be evil i just think he'll just be another version with no experiences with barry or any of them the um the interesting thing to me i mean i got a very like i said bioshocky vibe from their their brief shot of earth 2 Mm-hmm. Um, that, that very Art Deco kind of overwrought, um, a streamlined look from the 40s and 50s. I wonder if they're gonna and the way he's dressed is like you know, tailored suit but like no tie, you know, just kind of uh, I don't know, playboyish. I wonder if they're gonna make him more of like a Howard Stark type. You know, I, I think, think he will. Be yeah, maybe. His, uh, maybe his because of of Earth Two or whatever. Like maybe he's got a, d- a different personality. Right. Than the wells, you know, either A, the wells that we know, or B, the wells that was taken over by Thawne, you know. Right. More confident, more outgoing. Right. Just, like, more, you know, more cocky, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we got some good uh, mentions on the Facebook group. By the way, our Facebook group is the DCTV Podcast Facebook group. Uh, we ask every week for your opinions on the DCTV shows. Also, if you want to give us something a little more lengthy on the DC TV shows, you want to uh, tell us a little more, or you want to go in depth on something, then by all means, send us an email, dctvpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com, and uh, we will read your emails on the on the show. Um, we're always happy to do so. Uh, give me a second, guys. I'm sorry. You want me to read um, the email, or you want to do Yeah, if you, if you want to read the email, that's awesome. We, who okay. do you get an email from, Daryl? Uh, we got an email from Adam Vita, and... Uh... It's one of, one of our good emailers from uh, Nothing's On as well. Uh, hello, DCTV. I just read it, an art, article written by Scott Mendelson Mendelson, and from Ford's magazine. Mel, Mendelson from Ford uh, magazine pertaining about the Flash movie. The title of the article is called The Flash Gets a First-Time Director with the History of Writing Flops. I did my own research on Seth. 
Graham Smith uh, would be director of the Flash film, the the Flash movie. And I have to agree with Scott Mendelson. Uh, I would like to hear you guys take on the subject. You guys are doing a great job with the podcast. Bye for now. Uh, Thanks, Adam, for the nice thing. Um, I know um, Scott Mendelson is someone I've podcasted with before, actually. Mm-hmm. He has been on the um, the uh, Out Now podcast with uh, Aaron and Abe, uh, with Aaron, you know, Aaron Newworth and Abe, um, mm-hmm. on their podcast quite a few times. And I did a few commentary tracks with him on Out Now. And he is an incredibly smart dude. I mean, the guy knows his stuff about movies and about business. And, I mean, that's why he writes for Forbes, obviously. Right. But um, I, I thought a lot of what he said was spot on in that article. I mean, they are kind of... I mean, you have an unproven actor with Ezra Miller. You have an unproven yeah. director. Um, the script is by, you know, uh, the same guys who wrote the Lego movie, uh, Phil Lord. And I'm blanking on the other guy, Christopher... I'll know it. I'll, I'll remember when the show's over. <laughs> but anyway, they were the guys who wrote the Lego movie. They they were the first draft of the Flash movie script. I don't know if they're setting themselves up to hit one out of the park or, or to totally fail miserably. It's yeah. definitely not like uh, Suicide Squad where I haven't been excited about anything mentioned about the Flash movie yet. Yeah. None of the announcements made. Well, to be fair, right. to be fair, it's still in like pre pre production. Right. I mean, it's right. not they have not even shot frame one yet of that movie. Right. I mean, they haven't even gone into production on the Wonder Woman movie, which would be the next in the sequence that they've you know scheduled. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I would like to see a really good Flash movie. I, I mean, the Flash show has been great. I think it can coexist though. I really do. I think there can be a Flash TV show yeah, and a Flash movie. I mean, and the character be. Similar enough that the general public could watch both, but like different enough for us comic geeks to geek out, well, I guess. Thinking about it, I think that the best route, if they're going to do the movie, and the movie would not be, you would not have as much time to really put into a character like you could do with the TV show. I think they should go a little older. I think they should have went older Barry. Yeah, see, but Ezra Miller's like what, early 20s, playing yeah. probably going to play young Barry. I wish they. I hope they go for like more of an in media's res thing, where like he's been the Flash for a little while. Yeah, more experience. You know, no, we don't need. Him. I mean, we've seen a million origin stories. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and right. cut to. All right, he's the Flash. He has super speed and runs fast. Okay. Right. I mean, right. we've seen it in other movies. It's not a huge concept to sell to an audience. More mature. You don't. Yeah. And you don't really. I mean, you, if you want to fill in the origin with you know like quick flashback or backstory later, you can do that, but. I just hope they go for more of it. I mean, the second Spider-Man movie, I thought the first 20 minutes of that was great. It was. Because exa- that's exactly what they did. They just started right. Spider-Man on a regular day, starting a bank, yep. you know, stopping a robbery. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's the way a great comic usually starts, and that's the way a great comic movie, I think, could start, too. Yeah. They just or just or look at The Incredible Hulk with, uh, with, um, with Norton. You know? Yeah. The, instead of having to give us the whole spiel about the Hulk and everything again... They had a they had a montage in the beginning and the in the opening credits and that's all they needed and they went right to the story, you know. I just hope they, especially with them breaking off all these new characters into franchises of their own, I hope they don't go in the trap the trap of having to give each one an origin story, you know, and, and going with that same template of each of each uh, you know superhero. That would be I think incredibly dumb and boring. Yeah, because that's what I, I think I would totally do. I would, if we, we're going to do the movie version, you know you're not going to get that much time with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would just go for he's been Flash for like five years now. And, yeah. You know, he's he's, sure. he's 
25 or something, a little bit older than that. Maybe he's close to 30, but he's been Flash for, well, for five years. Well, is he appearing in the whole Justice League, the right, you know? Yeah. He's yeah. supposed to be in the Justice League movie this down the road. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to, yeah, I agree with you, Daryl. Like, 25 would be a good age. Like, he's been at it enough to be a little bit cocky, mm-hmm. but, but like, you know, a little seasoned, you know, a little more, like, not as, you know, I think it would be a good, it would be a good foil, too, to make you a more upbeat, opti- optimistic character, you know, next to, like, now, Ben Affleck's Batman and stuff. Right. It's not going to be as bright, you know. It could be a little brighter than, like, a, a Suicide Squad or even a Batman v Superman, you know. Mm-hmm. Now, is it has it been said for sure he's Barry Allen? And yes. Maybe they did it's not yeah. that they might be playing a different, like, Wally no, West? They, no, they, 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 they asked that. They said it was Barry and they said okay. they were aware of the TV show, but they weren't going to be crossing over with it in any way. That's why I was saying if they're going to do, because the first thing would be if they're not, if it doesn't have to be Barry, then I just would have said, just do Wally. Yep. But so and you could not going to do that? You okay. could even do Wally as, as, you know, where he was when Mark Wade took him and Martin Augustine took him over, where, mm-hmm. like, he was living in Barry's shadow. You know, right. Barry had been flashed for 10, you know, 10, 15, 20 years or whatever it was. And he was, you know, the, the trying to carry on that legacy. That's a great story to tell. I mean, that's, and that's mm-hmm. a story we really haven't seen yep. you know, in a superhero movie before um, a character having to carry on the banner of his mentor. You know what I mean? Oh, check it. Imagine they did this. Remember the beginning of Watchmen in the movies, how they kind of did the, 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 yeah, yeah. The, you know, the, the whole thing, thing establishing yeah. shot. Imagine the end of Crisis, where you see uh, the old Flash Barry dying, and then you see Wally, you know, kind of holding the empty suit. Right. And then Flash to <laughs> Flash to um, him putting on the suit, then go to him beating his first criminal, like. They flash it on as it's, it's continuing. Exactly. And just have him doing all this yep. stuff. See, that's the same thing they did at the beginning of the Incredible Hulk movie. And, um, and Wolverine, it, it too. Was, yeah, it was just like a series, a montage as the opening credits right. went on. It kind of got you up to speed. You know, it's like, okay. Okay, we're doing all those puns, all those flashing speed. Yeah, speed, I know. Oh. <laughs> we had some uh, good, <laughs> good comments on the Facebook group as well. Um, uh, I thought Flash had a good start, and I really enjoyed it. Arrow felt a little weak, and I'm a little sick of the flashbacks, but I still like the episode overall. That was some Shane, <laughs> Shane Adams sleep. Um, James Connor said that Barry seems a little bloodthirsty this season. Two episodes, two dead metahumans. I hope it's True. not the start of a trend. <laughs> yeah, yeah no doubt. And then, as you said, Carlos Carmona put up that gif of uh, Flash 123 recreation that was in the show, mm-hmm. which was just a, a, a nice little Easter egg for Awesome. Resting. Uh, also, um, John Davis wrote in, uh, Dear Felicity, I met someone new. Her name is Patty Spivet. <laughs> John. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, yeah. She gave me the feels. When she did talk about her father died, it did give me the feels a little bit. Yeah, it was a good scene. And I, it, like I said, it'll be interesting. I'm wondering how um, how well Iris is going to respond. You know what I mean? I... Because like Iris is going to keep it buried like, in the friend zone since uh, Eddie. You know what I mean? Well, I'm, I, the way that the, the showrunners have been talking about that whole thing, and I hope that they stick to this, is that they kind of got they're getting away from it for now. And I would hope that let 
Barry and Patty, maybe they develop into something. Maybe they go out for a while. And Iris is just not in a place to even think about dating anybody. Yeah. And, and let something happen either at the end of the season or maybe just let it run till next season. And just um, let something happen then. And then maybe feelings can grow into something. But for now, just let it rest. You know, like I really think they should just let that whole... Barry and Al and 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 uh, Iris thing just rest for a while and let them just be best friends. I agree. Yeah, it's fine with me if they let it go for a while. I mean, like it, they, it was such a big part of the first season. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, I don't think it would be hurt hurting anything to uh, to let that go. Okay. But it seems like there's going to be the Kate, the the Caitlin and. Jay thing going on, and then you know you'll have and probably the Patty and and uh, Barry thing going on. So that should be it. And if maybe something goes on with with Joe and his ex wife, you know that's enough. That's enough lovey dovey with everybody for a while. We don't. We don't. I mean, <laughs> it's so so proper is fine, but they don't need to Get go. Like the punching guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll calm it down a little bit. We can, you know. Time and place. Time and place. Well, guys, should we move? Uh, let's give our ratings for the Flash this week. I give it a four point two five. I think it was another solid episode. I like the dynamic between Jay and uh, and Barry. Um, I hope I hope they go a little bit deeper with that as the season goes on. I, um, I just I don't know. I thought it was really good. The only thing I didn't like, and you mentioned it earlier, is why Cisco would not immediately tell the rest of the crew. Or, I mean, Cisco is such a scientist; you think he'd want to figure out why. Yeah, you know, like, or how it's happening. Stuff, yeah. yeah, or he's always like trying to figure out the the other metahuman stuff. You know, you think uh-huh. you, you know, if this was happening to him, he'd be a little more motivated uh, to you know dig into it scientifically a little bit. All right, I'd have to give it a. It's. I'd, I'd give it like a three point five or a four. Like it, it wasn't like the greatest. It did. Seeing Jay was great, but I wanted Jay to have them powers back, so we could see them running around. Um, not, it still, it still became another episode of the week of, of of taking out a villain from another world. Like it didn't feel more than that yet. Um, so a little little surprises here and there, but for the most part, it was dealing with another villain from another Earth. So it kind of leaves it in that four, three point five or four thing. It's not elevating, which I know it's gonna. When stuff stuff really starts to happen, it's really gonna happen. I know it's mm-hmm. gonna, you know, really be. I think yeah, they're just more like putting the blocks together to kind yeah. of build to something bigger. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, this was a really good episode, but it is a stepping stone to the overall story that's that's arcing this season. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I think the the only drawback was the whole Cisco thing as well. Um, I'd, I'd give it a, a, a solid A. Sweet. Well, bros and bro hands, shall we go on to uh, Zombie Bro, the episode? Totally, of, uh, bro. Totally, uh, zombie. bro. Let's do it. We begin with uh, it's a big frat party going on, a big frat uh, uh, costume party. And this, uh, this bro is uh, dressed as Caesar. He's saying, friends, Loman countrymen, lend me your beer. I'm thinking it's mm. like the smartest thing anyone has ever said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> as he walks down the, uh, you know, through the frat house, uh, somebody in a giant blue uh, uh, furry costume 
walks up, stabs him about seven or eight times with an ice pick right in the, the lower back and leaves him. Not there. cool, bro. Not cool. Do that. Yeah, extremely not cool. We find out later the the furry is called Captain Wazzle. That'll be important later, so yes. remember that. They show up, uh, Ravi and Liv show up at the uh, the frat house, and uh, Ravi has a great line, I uh, hope you like Jaeger bombs and homoerotic subtext. <laughs> <laughs> that was an awesome line. Um, I really like Robbie and Liv together. They're like when they're together, oh, yeah. it's like oh, yeah. it's great, great dialogue. Usually, Liv has a plate of uh, of brain nachos this time. <laughs> yeah, and then you know, Which Burbs... actually looked pretty good. I thought uh, maybe it did. Um, <laughs> and Liv and Clive go to talk to uh, Chad's frat brothers, and she's very uh, Burhan with all of them. The um the one guy got uh, marked as a sex offender who's in the frat, but he forgave Chad, uh, the guy who was killed. Um, they find the um they find a, a bunch of Instagram photos from the the frat house itself, and they see the furry blue guy walk up, kill the guy, kill Chad, and leave. I like Liv trying to get beer while they were doing the investigation. Like, right, <laughs> trying, to get, trying to hit that keg, you know. Was Clock. this when she does the hand the the keg stand? No, that's that's, no, no, no. that's where she, okay. has flash, she has a flashback to a keg stand. Yeah, she said we killed that bro. That was when the guy said we killed that one already, bro. Yeah, and you see, just had a disappointed look. Clyde, the camera catches Clyde's face up close, and he has a look that was killer. Like it looked real. Like he was like, "What the f is going on with you?" <laughs> yeah. There's your problem, woman. It's all yep. good, bro. It's all good. Clive goes to uh, track down the uh, the, the costume. Uh, Liv goes back to the morgue and finds Ravi asleep. Oh, and then uh, the next scene is Ravi <laughs> chewing Liv out in the office for writing the word <laughs> fart on his forehead <laughs> and doing him up in sparkle uh, makeup. Say so it's not appropriate for a morgue. What are some stuff in here and they have to identify a body and I'm done up like this? Yeah. It's like a child. He talked to her like he was Yeah, like and Liv is trying not to laugh through the whole it thing. Like, that's all she's doing is like snickering and trying not to laugh. <laughs> it was so great. <laughs> While this is going on, um, Clive comes in and they say they have found another guy named Chad Wolkoff. Um, this one. Um, Turns out uh, is a uh, an inspirational speaker against drunk driving, because uh, uh, he you know he was involved in an accident while drunk driving, so he speaks out to, to other groups or whatever. But he has an alibi for that night, so uh, they, they let him go. Um, they finally track down the Captain Woozle costume and rented by the show. The woman is a furry, so they you know he says you know I had the costume in here all night, you know insinuating him and the woman you know were having a she intimate relations while you know while he was wearing the costume she threw it out there quick yeah i'm a furry <laughs> and it's funny too i mean there are a lot of them the um, pittsburgh here actually we host the anthrocon every year uh-huh. uh when all the furries come and uh mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty cool um but to follow up on the like the um the police um procedural part of the show it turns out that the the Chad Wolcott that was killed was the wrong Chad Wolcott. Uh, the Chad Wolcott that was alive in, in a drunk driving accident killed the uh, furry's uh, father, right. and that's you know that's you know he ended up killing the wrong guy. 
This yeah. is the second time that they've done a an episode where it wasn't really a, like a guy that was really evil and he killed, you know, right. killed the wrong to, person. It was more of a sad tragedy that, you know, something bad happened and he, you know, wanted to get justice or revenge and and he did it and then the worst thing happened because of it. Like I was like, "Damn, that's the second time that this that this happened and didn't have to happen. Because even the guy that he was originally going to kill, he wanted to kill, did feel remorse. Like, the whole problem was that he, he felt that he didn't have remorse. And all that guy devoted his whole life to, like, uh, speaking against drunk driving because of yeah. the gun, but he actually totally felt remorse. And the reason he killed him was because, he you know, he tracked him down and he was just this drunken frat guy who had not a care in the world. Right. So he thought, you know, he wasn't. I was that just, wow. nothing. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty <laughs> really dramatic. It it's almost like yeah. a Dick Wolf moment, you know. It did. It really zombie. did. Yeah. Uh, we do get a great scene of Liv going to a frat, gets invited to a frat party by one of the frat boys, her and Red go, um, and uh, to the frat party, and they have a root and tune good time. Uh, she's an awesome at beer pong because of the brains that she ate. Right. Um, she shows up and it's like a supposed to be a memorial for Chad, but uh, every, it turns out to be like a a what naked party or half naked party because everybody's like kind of skinny yeah. dressed. It's supposed to be a naked party, but as naked as you can go on a on CW TV show. on a CW, right. uh, which means Liv showed up in a, in a like little dress made out of police tape, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is right now my the background on my computer. And that garbage bag didn't look too bad either on uh, on red. Why'd I just get all creepy all of a sudden? I'm sorry, lady. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to be that guy. I'm sorry. She cut that part out. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, Liv, Liv is partying for work purposes, <laughs> as she says to, to uh, Red. And, and when she figures out she's good at beer pong, she's like, who wants to get the balls wet? Who wants to get on the beer pong? <laughs> it's pretty funny. Yeah, it was. A lot of funny. A lot of fun here. Yeah. So um, let's talk about the adventures of Major and Ravi, shall we? Wow. Uh, Ravi talks to Major. They have, the, by the way, the con- the um, conversation where he asks him if he can refer to his bre- beard as Princess Sparkles from now on. This <laughs> glitter. I mean, the writing on this show is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, Ravi is interested in the Utopian. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Because it's like the main one of the main components of his zombie cure, and he's interested enough in the utopium itself that he wants to go go clubbing and try utopium, you know, <laughs> for work purposes, you know. Um, so him he convinces Major to go with him, and now, ladies and gentlemen, let us break into another edition of. Major's wow. bad decisions. Right. <laughs> Major was only now. If you remember last week, we need we need theme music for this segment. It's becoming a regular Major's thing. Bad decisions. <laughs> um, last week's bad decision, of course, was uh, killing the zombie dad of the uh, the, the uh, girls that keep showing up on his iPad now. This week's bad decision for uh, Major and Robbie. Robbie asked Major to come with him uh, to score some utopium. They do. They find like two. Vials, hits, I don't know. Right. And be know. his buddy. He All he was supposed to do was be his buddy to keep him out of trouble. Like, right. you, I'll take the drug, you monitor me. Keep an eye on me. Do right. anything really terrible, and you get me, make sure I get home okay. Right. But instead of doing all that, he what does Major it. decide to do? Takes he drugs at, instead. Well, he looks at the bag, and he looks at the fun that Robbie's having, and he doesn't want to feel anything anymore because he's had a bad, bad day. 
So he takes the drug. And what do we get? Scenes of them dancing. And dance. A lot of scenes of them dancing. <laughs> and dancing. And clothes. And Robbie seems to get more, to take off more clothes. <laughs> Each time they, they, they move to another scene, he starts to get take off more, more clothes, which is funny. I really like the the um the notes that Robbie's trying to take into his phone. Yeah. I am oh, climbing on a cloud of goodness, good <laughs> feelingness. Um Major is looking at the utopian and stuff, and he's like, If I feel this good and I took one, maybe I should take two. Yeah. And then the next scene we see Liv getting a call. <laughs> Saying that her number was on his phone in case of emergencies, and he's puking Still. his guts out, and you need to come get him out of our bathroom at this club right now. Uh, so Liv shows up in her police, you know, tape dress or whatever, and finds Major puking his guts out in the bathroom. She gets Major out and Robbie out of there, gets him into a cab, in which Major and Robbie have some more hilarious lines. You know, Robbie's like, "We should get matching tattoos." <laughs> <laughs> Like all the bad decisions that people make when they're on, you know, they're on drugs or whatever. Um, it was pretty funny. Yeah, and uh, then, yeah, Major throws Liv's phone out the window. Says, "Yeah, yeah they yeah. can hear you, man. They can hear your you know, thoughts or whatever." And uh, he, she gets um, them back home. Major's like next to the toilet. She brings in uh, like Gatorade, a water, and aspirin for him. She's a good girlfriend. Yeah, man, no doubt. Not even his girlfriend anymore, really. Oh. Then he asked her to stay, and then uh, she he lays his head on her lap and says, "You know, you won't let anyone hurt you." And she doesn't get what he's what he really means by yeah. That. He means you know yeah, I'm willing to kill all these other zombies for you, <laughs> but, <laughs> right? Right. But she yeah. says, "And I won't shave your eyebrows." Yeah. Which you know after what she did to Robbie was was pretty. But um, we also get uh, some some choice scenes with uh, with our friend Blaine this episode. Uh, Blaine is seemingly trying to set up a utopian selling empire um, out of his you know funeral home. Uh, he tells you know the one guy who is the brother of the other guy who saw the zombies. Remember because he says you know your brother died upstate. Yep. Uh, in the in the you know because he saw zombies or whatever, and then he shows him a real zombie. So you know proves his brother was right all along. Um, he sends him out to recruit these drug dealers. All four of the ones he, he recruits uh, recruit end up dead, and the last one is named Speedy or whatever. The same this guy who is also the brother of the the, the um oh, I can't remember his name it was Robbie or something. He was he was with Major in the the psych ward. Uh, yeah, last, I can't so, remember. I can't that remember his name either, or Scotty or something like that. Um. Anyway, uh, all these drug dealers end up dead. And it turns out it's just a power play. For uh, for our friend Blaine to uh, work on Mr. Boss, they refer to him, who is like the, I guess the ostensible head of crime in Seattle, and like everyone knows it, he's kind of like the kingpin is in, in Daredevil, I would I would guess, because it's like an open secret that he's in charge, um, but it turns out that he is going to. Uh, He's going to Blaine is going to try to force out Mr. Boss by, for, and this is like the first salvo in his plan is by getting these all these drug dealers killed and like looking for law and order, and he talks he tells uh, his friend in the DA's office that you're going to take down Mr. Boss, and uh, it's all all these master plans are in motion for Blaine. Yeah, he just needs money. Right, and he goes to Daddy to get it. 
Yeah, what a what a what a relationship they had. Wow, what a scene. Uh, that was too, man. interesting. <laughs> good scene. That was really a really good scene. A lot, of, a lot of good dialogue in that yeah. scene. Um a lot of truthy truthfulness and stuff. Truth bombs everywhere. He ends up asking his dad for a half million dollars. Not even asking, telling. Tells him. Yeah, he tells him he puts he'll put him in the same institution that his dad put uh their grandfather in. If you thought Blaine was a jerk <laughs> yeah, apple doesn't fall far oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Neither does the zombie fall far no. And that's cold. He turned his father into a zombie. Yep. So he could keep him strung out. On yeah. 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 So another solid episode of iZombie. You know? you know what? I'm so glad that none of these shows have really sucked this season. Yes. Right. <laughs> so far, it. like everything has been aces. So yeah. let's hope that trend continues. Knock on wood. I truly hope so, because Gotham was that way last season, where it was like, well, we got another episode, let's talk about it, get it over with. Yeah, I mean, right. It's good that we don't have it's that. Really turned around. Yeah. That zombies issue. remain strong, and Arrow and Flash, too. Oh, and we forgot. Uh, oh, are we getting, we, we're going to go to the end when Liv goes to see um, Major to get her phone? He replaced her phone? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention and that. And we find out something else. Because now he has another problem. Major's bad decisions. Yes. He's a drug addict now. Now he's addicted to Utopium. Yes. In one hand, he's holding the iPad of the two girls asking where their father went, the one that he killed. In the other hand, he is holding on to drugs. He won't see Liv when she comes to get her phone. Drugs are bad, okay? Yeah. Was he ever mentioned that he was in the military at one time? I don't think so. Because it is oh, so it weird. Was. It's so weird how he, like, even now when they talk about it, it's like they want to reinforce when he says, I'm not a drug dude. He's like, I'm not, I don't know anything about buying drugs. I can get you a bazooka, you know, at a good rate if you want one. Mm-hmm. But it's like implying that he he's good at this stuff. Like in the first season, he got his butt kicked when mm-hmm. he went to try to help those kids. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he I don't think they've gone out of their way to mention that at any point. Because now he's a freaking slayer. Like he knows how to use all these weapons. Yeah. He can you know like buy weapons. Or a zombie slayer, yeah. Right. So it would be something like I, I want like. Well, he probably watched some videos on YouTube, and you know, is that is that how it is? <laughs> yeah, it's all it takes. Man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Videos of that on YouTube, and you're good. Let's move on to the arrow. The green arrow, as it were. Once again, superheroes are fighting to save the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, after all, after everything that's been going on in Star City with all the um, people on the city council and the mayor and the mayor being killed or whatever, a woman comes back to Star City to to run for mayor, played by Jerry Ryan Mm -hmm. from Star Trek Voyager. She played Seven of Nine. And uh, looking pretty good in this still. Yeah. Yes, Just, she uh, was. She looks Jessica very nice. Jessica Danforth. Right. And she's an old friend of the Queen's. Oliver right. Queen or whatever. So um, she's shown back up in uh, Star City to run for mayor. She thinks she can be a symbol for hope for the city the way the Green Arrow can never be. A face that is, you know, you know a daylight face. A face that's yeah, she was inspired by the Arrow, by Green Arrow. Right. But she feels she can do more good running as mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as she enters the race, a uh, press conference begins, and 
Uh, <laughs> this is, I like where they put this in the, in the recap, so I'm going to quote it. Uh, like all good public gatherings in Star City, a gun begins firing in the atrium. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so true. It's pretty standard. Yeah. Um, Thea runs up there to check it out. Oliver and Thea are on the scene. And uh, it's a gun on automatic pilot, kind of on a, on a uh, auto fire uh, system. And it's a diversion. And it turns out that the guy who is after Danforth is posing as one of her bodyguards. He zaps uh, the actual bodyguard with like this rod with lightning coming out of the end of it. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a super taser kind of. Um, and uh, as this happens, Oliver jumps in, takes the guy out, and the guy you know, jumps a good 20 feet below and or falls and you know, lands on his feet and runs. Uh, Oliver goes after him. Of course, Mrs. Danforth doesn't notice anything unusual about this. Right. <laughs> Oliver having he, all his combat stuff. Because he slid in. I, oh, I've had to, uh, I took some karate classes. Go ahead. Well, they open, which is the this has kind of been the second time they've opened with a with an action scene, a good action scene in the very beginning, and we get to see Team Arrow together for the for the first time with Green Arrow, um, and I loved it. Like you, the way that they worked out, like uh, Black Canaries, you know, she did this thing where she jumped across and uh green arrow knew she was going to do it so ollie shot the arrow to give her the rope that she could slide across that was a cool scene that was a this is the best i've seen her in a battle sequence so far like she seems to still be improving in her skills a little bit um also in that scene is that the scene also where thea gets a little too zealous she's like fighting three three dudes at once and she like well the first part the first part is the funny scene of uh, Felicity's asking for a code name. Then you then you get Thea uh, fighting, and then you see Thea is a little going a little bit crazy with the fighting, and he notices it wasn't too much, but he notices that she's a little overzealous, and he kind of tries to say something to her, and she ignores him. She looks good fighting, and that uh, the red really works in terms of yes. showing how when they're fighting. Like it, it really looked good in that the action scenes in that. And Diggle, of course, he's he's still there with and the that helmet. Magneto. Shooting. Yeah, Magneto is still shooting people with, <laughs> without being able to see him through that helmet. Without being able to see and sounding angry for no reason. Right, I'm still angry, you Oliver. Burr. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah I'm sorry I didn't mean to gloss over the opening scene, but yeah, that's the way it opens and. Uh, like I said, Thea's a little too zealous, like uh, using moves to cripple and stuff, and Oliver kind of calls her on it real quick there. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, happens again later in the episode when they beat the crap out of one another. Um, after what happens at, uh, with uh, with Danforth uh, almost being killed, uh, Quentin, Captain Captain Lance, puts uh, 24-7 detail on Danforth and has her in protective custody at the police station. Which means which, I was going to say that I don't understand. I mean, the police station just got decimated by Hive last episode. They just walked in and like, killed everyone. How yeah. is that the safest place? You know? It's, it, it's, yeah. I'm like, I might as well just go home. If you yeah. Don't put me in a might as well stay at the Motel 6. At least there's yeah. only one door. I can see him coming. You know? Exactly. Uh, uh, Oliver comes in and asks, you know, um, uh, Quentin to let him help, but he's like, no, you know, no thanks. Again, with the annoying thing. <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, you, you know, it costs too much and, and everything. It's like, you want to do something different, quit being the arrow or whatever. You know, he doesn't trust the green arrow. 
act any differently than he did before. And, you know, and he left of... for like a year. He left for almost a year, right? And mm-hmm. the city even went got worse. Like, yep. so what? What is your problem? You got you. You had a city without him, and it did not get better. So what? What do you? What do you want to do? Like, like get over yourself, sir. Uh, we get a scene of this uh, guy who's uh, Lonnie Mashin, uh, better known as Anarchy to comic book readers, or at least in this version, uh, he's Anarchy. Right. I think the next time he comes around, he'll be uh, he'll be costumed. Yeah. Well, he got all burned up, so I'll have mm-hmm. to mask him probably. Right. Um, turns out he's had a little bit of help from Mr. Damien Dark, of course. Uh, but Damien Dark's not really uh, happy with the way the mission turned out because he likes things a little more precise and not so sloppy. Um, he and said, he has a line. He actually said it, it, there's there's still a line. To, yes. To cross. And then he had crossed it, and that uh, he had you know one more chance, but they, he doesn't know how th- they did things where he came from. But Hive is not about to give him a third chance ever. So Lonnie decides to. Kidnap Danforth's daughter and hold her ransom. Uh, Wait, I thought that he had kidnapped him, and that's when he said that was the line that he doesn't remember. He said, Where No, no, he comes back later and tells him that. I mean, yeah. he, he's mad at him for being imprecise to start with. Okay. And then he comes back later after he kidnaps the girl and says, You know, this is sloppy. This is like nothing, you know, this is I, not, not I, what, something I, I want to be associated with. Yeah, what I remember, what made me remember what that, it was that I was trying to figure out more and more about this character who seemed cutthroat, cut, cutthroat and, and just evil, but he did say that there's a line. He he actually said that. I remember him saying it in the in the dialogue, there was a yeah. line, and he looked over at the, the daughter being in the trunk. Right. So, so I was when he meets him a second time. Yeah, that surprised me because I didn't, you know, like this guy seemed like he didn't care. Like he was ready to blow up trains and all types of stuff. So I'm like, there's a line? He's like, what, what? <laughs> like just draw it right now? Hmm. There were kids and stuff and, and what, you know, like there were women and children and all that kind of stuff. Elderly on the train, you were going to blow up in, in the middle of the place. But it just surprised me when he said that, that kidnapping one child. She wasn't even a child. She was a teenager. But bad in all cases, but I'm just saying. Kidnapping an older kid and saying, that's your line. That's when you get mad. I'd be like, I don't know. It's okay to blow up a whole train station full of people, but kidnap someone's kid? Hey, man. Hey, cool. Um, The uh, Team Arrow narrowed down his location. They break into the skylights, to which Mashin says, uh, something wrong with the front door. Um, and then they uh, they fight for a while. First he tries. First he uses a flamethrower instead of his electrocution yeah. sticks. Um, everything's in slow motion. That was kind of a cool scene. Oliver and Theory uh, and Thea go look, you know, search the building for him. But you know, and she tell they tell Diggleland uh, and Canary to you know to get the girl out of there. And um, Speedy ends up getting electrocuted. Oliver fights them. Speedy gives uh, Mash, um, uh, Anarchy a beatdown. And then uh, electric, and then uh, hits him with the electroshock thing after he's been doused in gasoline and sets him on fire. <laughs> Oliver's mad. He put the foe out, he put the the fire out, and uh, before he dies, thankfully, yeah. This ties into the episode, the uh, scene that Daryl was talking about, where Thea's being a little more bloodthirsty, and Oliver says that 
uh, Rachel Gould told him that, you know, anybody who went into the Lazarus pit did not come out the same. And he should have told her that from, from Jump Street, but he didn't. And Dinah he... doesn't know any of this. Like, there's a pit no. that can actually bring back the dead. Because she keeps asking, like, what is, why does she keep bringing this up? Like, what's, what's, what's going on? Right. And, uh, you know, Thea's mad that, she didn't, that he didn't tell her. They have a cool fight scene where Thea, like, really, like, lays into Oliver. Like, they knock some shit down. It was that was a Batman-Robin fight right there. Yeah, like, that yes, was a Batman-Robin yeah. fight. This was how you, you know, like, when you do this, you do this. This is the cripple. I know that move. It's the cripple. It's not to disarm or hurt. Right. And she got so mad. And she just went all, you know, she's just swinging and beating on She's trying, trying to, look, she was... Turned into a, a crazy animal. The way they had to boat pull her off, off of uh, Oliver. Meanwhile, while this is going on, Felicity is trying to take control, uh, take back control of Palmer Tech. That was left to her when Palmer was. Uh, I guess everyone thinks killed, but you know we know better. She meets our new um, Mr. Michael Holt, right. aka Mr. Terrific in the comics, but definitely a different version of that character here. Kind of a, another a young genius, kind of like Felicity, you know, mm-hmm. who comes up with an algorithm to figure out who should be fired from Palmer Tech to uh, to save money. She, you know, she has to deal with this whole thing through the episode of having to fire people from their jobs, and she really doesn't want to. She ends up having to fire Michael Holt himself, who came up this with the is, algorithm. This annoyed me a little bit. Like he he said to her, he he came with an algorithm to to do the. Uh, most effective way of if they have to do it, the firings and stuff. Only thing with that was it was like when when he had the when Mister Riffick got fired, right? Michael Holt was on the chopping block as well. It it just made me feel like you're the boss. You could just say, "Well, I'm not firing you." Like you, you yeah. Like we're gonna build some things. Like we like it's almost like she forgot how smart well, she was. But also the board had voted and decided that this was the action that they were taking. So even I don't with, care. Yeah, but I mean, you have to think of corporate politics there. But the whole thing is, is, is he says that what he initially came up with was an algorithm on the most efficient way to cut costs. Exactly. And, it, and do other things, not necessarily just look and cut throats. And I'm like, and why, did and why didn't she? More? Yeah, why didn't she go, okay. Let's do that. Let's pause like, for a second and let's right. look at this. You know, she if this algorithm is going to work this way, but she totally right. ignored it. You know, she seemed to hear it like it was like it was for us, the audience, to hear for her. To, she's going to eventually get to the right. She's going to do the right thing at the end. But it was like it just it took so long and it was just too sloppy the way that it was introduced. We didn't need to do that. You could have just right off right out the bat just say, "Hey, you came up with that." Let, let's talk about but this. Like, I think also they were trying to portray at the same time, you know, she's never been executive before. She's not got, she even says it, I don't have an MBA or any of that kind of thing, or even a business degree. So she's going to make some bumbling choices, you know, taking well, over. Well, the thing that threw things. me. So I think that you're right, though. They could have portrayed it better. They could have balanced right. it out better. But th- that's what I think they were going for. I get, I get that that's what they were trying to do. But it's just like you, you don't have to do it that way anymore. Like we, oh yeah, like you no, kinda, I, yeah. And the other thing that that, that made me go, ah, I just want to fast forward for you to get to the point where you just tell them to f off and you 
you know. Yeah, uh, I kept thinking Felicity thing. was just going to say, oh, really? How about I fire this board and use all that's that money to I keep these waiting. people in jobs? Because <laughs> I thought that's what that was going to be the next move on her part. I mean, I and was, she built you know, things for them. Like, she was part of the, a lot of the tech that they had. Like, I don't know why. See how Palmer perfect his tech. And you know what? Palmer yeah. has all that other, other tech that would have come from the shrinking ray or whatever. The phone, the teeth, the... the, the all that other stuff, yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, I don't know. It just that's not like selling. Like that should sell to other, not just to Central City. I mean, to Starlin, Star Star City. That's tech that should be sold around the world. Like I, I just didn't. And when they they betrayed him as kind of a Steve Jobs type with like an yes. iPhone or whatever. So, I mean, it's not like the iPhone went away in a year and everybody bought something else. Because they're know, trying to imply that it. That's not how business works, though. To imply that because they're in the city. That is dying and, and and they can't afford it. That they're losing money. No, you're a corporate business. You do business all over the world. If anything, it should be cheaper for you to be. Yeah, able- I was going to say if you want to get a little too realistic here, they probably get tax breaks right. out the wazoo just to yes. stay in that city. You know? So your I mean, main look at Detroit factory, or, or you know, right? So uh, your I mean, main yeah. factory could stay there, but at the same time, you're selling to. You're selling to an international market. You're doing tech. You're selling phones and watches and tea, like all that stuff that they're doing now. And you you have state of the art stuff. There's, it just didn't make any sense that because there's no Wayne tech going on right now that right. you're competing against. So there's only ten in core industries industry that you would be competing with. So it just didn't. Like it just the whole thing of trying to make it like they're losing business. Right. Just, if it's a global company, like one one corporate headquarters is not going to make or break your company. Exactly. You know and, I mean, it's just another satellite in the chain. You know. And you're a genius. You're not just a regular uh, smart person. You're a freaking genius. You're a tech genius. You know how to. You know how things are run. I mean, hey, listen, would- why don't you sell that um, software you use for facial recognition? Yeah, you know, put that I mean, up uh, as a Palmer Tech thing and sell that. I mean, any of that, she could come up with so many things she yeah. could have done. Agar- all algorithm, rig- Ugh, I can't even talk tonight. They, she could have come up with a program that basically could have uh, <laughs> figured Algar- out Algar- Algar- uh, a program. Yeah, that, <laughs> she could have came up with a program to balance your budget. She could like she's done all this stuff for them anyway. She's come up with the best routes to get around the city. Like she could GPS that you 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 have your own GPS system that you come up with that can automatically find better ways to get to do things. Like there's so much that she's already done yep. for them with no money. Right. Almost. She could capitalize on with with Palmer easily. And she sell with to. Palmer. Yeah, yeah, I don't. It, 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 yeah, it, it just it, yeah, it seemed weird and kind of dramatically tacked on or whatever. Right. So her just, her solution to the problem is to bluff the board and say that you know, Mr. Hold has uh, some proprietary technology that in six months' time will be so successful that we won't need to lay anyone off. So she right. basically put everything on hold for six months. Now the I hope I wonder if the one there's something for the, the comic book fans that we know. There is something that uh, Michael Holt could do is that he created these things that could basically make him undetectable to any type of electronics, which would be perfect for Team Arrow because they are the worst at hiding identity. T-spheres. 
That's what I mean. They yeah. they did that. Remember, they would yeah. they would if anybody tried to track phones, anything, they took pictures or whatever. The T spheres could basically just nullify it. They they could make it that they can't record. They they cannot make any kind of recordings of the face or anything. So they're protected. Like I I hope I would love to see that be something that they incorporate into Arrow because right now, like his face was plastered all over the city as being the Arrow. Like everybody thought he was the he was accused of being the Arrow, and I mean, for now the for him to come back into town at the same time that the Green Arrow comes back, it, it comes right? Out, it's a little it's, too. It's a little too on the nose. I yeah. mean, I I can't see no one that people aren't just going. Well, it's the same damn guy. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Why don't you just arrest him? I mean, you you went through a whole thing with that before, but I would love to see. Um, him come up with that tech for them and, and that will cover up stuff and then they won't have to worry so much about why, you know, people not knowing who they are, even though they're not that uh, stealthy when they when they fight. Then we also cut to uh, Star City PD where uh, Lonnie Machin, a.k.a. Anarchy, has uh, broken away, broken out of his ambulance, killed the two EMT drivers, slit their throats. Yeah. Really bloody, like tableau they set up there, and oh, drawn yeah. drawn an A for anarchy symbol, uh, in the inside of the van and split. Right, he disappeared. Um, we also get the scene where um, uh, Laurel and uh, and, and uh, Thea are telling uh, Oliver that they're going to go away for a while for like a spa weekend, mm-hmm. when actually they're going to Nanda Parabat. And now that uh, Laurel knows about the Lazarus Pit, <laughs> uh, we see her digging up her sister. That's right. You saw it in her face when she was like, this is, yeah, as soon yeah. as they were telling her what happened when, when they told her exactly what they did, put her in the, the pit, bringing her back, you just you could just automatically hear Laurel say, all right, I'm going to dig up my sister now. Yeah, you could see it in her eyes. I mean, you just she suddenly tuned them out and was like, I'm going to go get my sister. <laughs> Exactly. That's the first thing you heard. And they dig her up, and sure enough, her body is in there. It oh, doesn't yeah. look too good. No. <laughs> she wasn't in there that long, but damn. It just, it yeah, but like it was like here. just a pine box. It wasn't even a coffin. So, yeah, well, you know, there was nothing really protecting her from the, the elements of Earth. Yeah, they did secretly uh, bury her, so they didn't really yeah. give her a funeral. I'm sure they weren't going to be the big flashy grave site or whatever. Uh, we also get flashback uh, uh, flashbacks in this episode, which are kind of dumb. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oliver, Oliver uh, lands back on the island uh-huh. again, okay. and uh, he gets uh, caught by these uh, op- guys who are uh, harvesting opium on the island. Uh-huh. Uh, he just plays like he's been there as a survivor for the past three years. He gets brought by hot before the main man and then ends up becoming one of the, the drug guards. Undercover, I guess. Like, again? There's a guy like dying of thirst uh, in the opium fields and a woman pleading for his life. And uh, Oliver's like, you heard it, man. Get back to work. Yeah. I bet you he knows Kung Fu and he <laughs> saves yep. him and he teaches Oliver Kung special Kung Fu. And then... They try to get off the island, and then he dies. The old man dies. And Whoa, I know Kung Fu. 
on a kung fu. <laughs> it's like a very special cameo about Keanu Reeves. Very special cameo. Okay, so that was the arrow this week. Yeah. Oh, uh, it it was um. I give it a three. It was definitely a show. It was it was fine. It wasn't bad. Yeah. But it just still it still has some. It still it still takes stupid pills sometimes. The script, the script oh, yes. takes stupid pills sometimes when they don't need to. You know, which we already talked about with the with Holt and and uh, and the corporate stuff with that. Oh, and and the whole thing with Oliver is going to run for mayor. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't oh, hear that. yeah. At the end, uh, he uh, Oliver tells. Felicity, that he needs to be more than just a green arrow, more than just a symbol. He has to be somebody out in the daylight actually doing good, and he, that's why he's going to run for mayor. Uh, you have a girlfriend that doesn't know how to fight, and um, everyone knows that you two are together. Do you not think that she's endangered if you run for mayor? It's not just that. It's like Jim said before, or maybe you did. The whole he comes into town, the Green Arrow shows up. Now all he's of it, yeah. all of it at, at one convenient time is is he might as well. I, as a matter of fact, I was thinking this during the towards the end of the episode. I'm like, is he going to go all Tony Stark with this? Is he just going to come out and be? Hey, well, I'm the Green Arrow. I mean, because there, there are versions comic, of the DC yeah. world that that the was. Jed Winnick, the Jed Winnick, yeah. Uh, comic basically the whole town knew he was Green Arrow and that's how he won they didn't even cover it up anymore um, and he ran for mayor and he was mayor for a while and that's when Blockbuster had come in like the, one of the characters they used uh, in the TV show he came out of the um, out of the comic and he was the kingpin of you know and he tried to take over and he fought like they attacked the entire city and he had to fight and all that kind of stuff but I mean, I don't know if they're going. They might go that route. I don't know if they're going to go that route or not. But the whole thing of we see the grave, we see the grave that somebody's going to die in six months. Um, I know everything is pointing. I know it's not Felicity. I really don't think it's going to be Felicity. But you know, all things are going to point to it being Felicity. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's just. Um, it's just a well, lot I'm, that doesn't... I'm thinking it's the... Uh, I, I'm trying to remember, because, you know, and obviously it wasn't a, it wasn't his sister, but in the comic, when Speedy was his sidekick, what happened to Speedy? I'm trying to remember. She didn't die. She, she's still alive. I don't think the... Uh, I don't think uh, Speedy... The, uh, Speedy ever died. She... She, she made it. His was, son got murdered, but then she was saved. He was he was going to die, and then they kind of gave him some type of thing, some type of alien thing, and it kind of morphed his body and changed him. But he lived. But uh, I, no, she didn't die. She she survived. So I don't I don't know if they're gonna I don't know. It's so still that's kinda... what I'm most interested in this season is 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 her character so far. That's that's been the most interesting part to me is she's really become a character I like. Yeah, she Thea has really stepped up. Like that, if you want to talk about character most improved, I would definitely say it was B Thea so far. Um, 
Because she yeah. really gets a kick out of being a, a crime fighter, which is fun. She is like Robin, in a way. Like, cause she, yeah. She's yeah. Fun. like she's talking about, I, I want a code name, guys. And, like, she's fighting these dudes. And at the same time, she's, you know, talking about code names and, and kind of joking around and stuff. If they can get rid of the whole whatever it is, the darkness inside her stuff. And get done done with that. Well, and not, they will. It's they'll just, get done with it. Yeah, they'll work through yeah. it. It would be cool to to have her fight with with him and her fighting together. There's just something about them two fighting together that was just so cool to watch. Oh yeah, that's that's. Yeah. I mean, I I give this episode a, a, a solid C, and I, I I there's so many good things in the action and and, right. and all that like we're talking about, but there was just so many of the the dumb decisions are just, you know, and you know what's missing is, you know, what's also missing to me yeah. is the, the Diggle and Oliver friendship is missing when they're yes. not in sync. It just, uh, it, something's missing on the show when they're not working together. Since you brought up Diggle too. And, and I, cause I only watched the episode once it, <laughs> we got a better look at the back of that mask. Is his head open in the back? It looked like it just braces around with some sort of uh, belt or something. And I'm just thinking, it's, what it is looks, the point in that? It looks almost like a welder's mask where it's like strapped to the head yeah. and like just covering yeah. the front of his face. Exactly, that's what it looks it's like, like, a welder's mask. Every, that, yeah, it's just so dumb. It so doesn't, dumb. yeah. I yeah know. He could uh, just do a hood and call it a day. Do a Kevlar hood? I would, I would talk to Cisco. I yeah, I would call Cisco. Yeah. Hey, bro. Have a word. Have a word with Cisco about this. Yeah, hook me up, bro. I, I can't. This isn't working. I give it a B minus. The flashback sequences were pointless. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they really like were just did nothing, and uh, oh. it was kind of wasted time. Uh, I like this stuff with Thea as well. I think her having a real zeal for being for this kind of work and everything is really cool. I think Laurel's kind of uh, they're they're choreographing her better too. She looks right. more credible and more a part of a team. Like Daryl pointed out the, uh, the scene earlier where the arrow puts the line for her to slide down from, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Seems like she's really, you know, starting to mesh with everyone else. So that's they cool. Could, they could take the flashback out if they don't really have. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I, I think it's yeah. time for them to go. I think we've learned enough about Ollie's past. So whatever story arc you're doing for his flashbacks right now finish it and then be done with them if anything i would like if they had did flashbacks for the other characters in the show like oh, Diggle being, now that would be cool i would love to have seen diggle's story a yeah. little bit more like him working with the uh special forces plus with all the backstory with him and hive yeah i would, I would um, like yeah. on, that, would, that would be kind of cool him and his brother you know him and his yeah. brother doing their thing um get a little flashback of that you know, kind of, because you're gonna have Oliver all throughout the show. Like he is the star of the show, so he he did plenty of time for him to be in the show. Do a little something, you know, yeah, mix it up a little bit. Do a little something with uh, with the other characters, with the with Hive, with Diggle, with Diggle's brother, with uh, you know, I I would even love, but I know they're gonna bring it back for Legend Legends. But I, if before I knew about that, I would like I would have loved to have seen. Um, when Sarah went and trained when she was with the league. Yep. Some of yeah. that. That would be cool. So, yeah. 
we got an email about the season four premiere, but we got it since uh, we last recorded. So uh, it's from Thomas Blake, who writes in the Nothing's On podcast quite a bit, and we always yeah. appreciate his emails and stuff. Oracle. Thanks for moving. Thanks for checking out uh, um, DCTV, Thomas. Appreciate it. Uh, hey, guys. I found they fixed a portion of the complaints from season three with this premiere. Thea and Laurel were written and presented stronger in this episode. Laurel finally looks more believable as Black Canary. I definitely agree with that, Thomas. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, yeah. I like Thea have the, have, to have the same uh, side storyline of angry issues. It reminds me of Jason Todd. Hopefully it doesn't end the same way. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, man, the, the Batman parallels never end on this show. They do no, not. Yeah. <laughs> they do but not. But I'm fine with it. Um, I, it's, as long as it stays a good show. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Oliver and Felicity relationship felt more mature. Uh, they could have had him brood about Felicity helping Team Arrow behind his back, but they just moved past it. Uh, I admit them living in that house in the neighborhood was pretty corny, uh, but I'm glad Lila told Diggle to basically stop crying over what Oliver did and move on. <laughs> yeah. uh, the actor who's playing Damien Dark, Neil Donahoe, uh, works for me. Why is Lance teaming up with him? That makes no sense. I think Lance is being forced to work with him. We saw that in this episode for sure, because he kind of tells him he's not going to do his dirty work for him anymore. And Dark tells me he has no choice. Um, I was one of the fans waiting for Starling City to be called Star City and for Arrow to go by Green Arrow. I'm happy for both. I know it's a long shot, but can we please get the boxing glove Arrow? Yes. Um, I assume the events in the six-month jump play into the Legends of Tomorrow. Um, Seeing Oliver and Barry at the gravesite was such a Bruce and Clark scene. That's true, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys agree it's getting to the point Flash and Arrow are getting so intertwined that it's required to watch both shows in o- order to get the whole picture of this DC universe? I don't yes, know. I'm fine with that. I, I mean, well, I'm fine with it too, but I think you could probably watch one or the other and be fine. I mean, they have the crossovers every season, but those are usually self-contained stories, you know? Yeah, you can, though. Yeah, you can. Because I, I know people, even some of my coworkers, they don't watch. They watch The Flash, but they don't watch Arrow. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know anything of what I was talking about. Like, I mentioned something with Arrow. They were like, they didn't know what the heck. And they didn't have questions about Flash. Plus, you know. I'm, when the Arrow does show up on Flash, it's not like out of the blue. It's a character no. for on that show, right? Yeah, they kind of keep it self-contained. Like, we're coming here to do this or we're coming here to do that. And that's it. You know, like, you, you, they, even when they had uh, Felicity coming with, uh, with uh, when Adam was there when she when she bought her boyfriend uh (laughs) ray palmer when she bought her ray palmer it was kind of they explain it in five seconds uh ray wanted to figure out how to fix these components he figured they would help him out boom it was done when uh arrow when arrow came to flash the other time uh i felt like you needed training like you know the you barry you're new to this being you know the flash and you should know how to fight you know you should know how to strategize and and kind of uh be a little bit faster thinking when you're when you're fighting people in the field boom done you know like you really didn't didn't need anything and then when they come to help each other they come in they help and then they go right back yep to where they're at yep absolutely uh thomas continues his email i i think to watch legends of tomorrow you're gonna have to keep up with the Flash and Arrow this season. If you might, or uh, if if not, you might be lost. Hmm. I don't know. We haven't seen Legends of Tomorrow yet, so I'm not gonna make yeah. any like the Sarah stuff. 
I mean, they're. I know that for sure because there, there's no reason why they wouldn't. Um, they'll probably, even though they'll probably bring Sarah back on Arrow, meaning that you know they'll bring her back in the pit. We'll watch it on Arrow. They'll explain it again in Legends. You know, they'll let yeah. you know that she was brought back by blah blah. I'm blah, trying blah. to remember in that scene last week. Did they specifically say somebody died? Because what if they're at Sarah's grave and he's pissed because of what happened in the six months? Maybe nobody's dead. Um, I don't know. The but implications he, was that somebody was died. He doesn't that, seem pissed. He seems more like kind sad. Of, well, he seems angry that someone killed someone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It seems more like yeah. that. And I mean, no, I agree. I'm just saying, what if? Maybe. Hmm. I, I don't know. Uh, even with Stein, um, which from Flash, and he's going to be in Legends, I get the feeling that I wonder if him being separated from Ronnie is what made him collapse. Yeah, I was thinking that's it might what be some, I thought. Yeah, it might be some uh, reaction to fire, the, being away from the other half of Firestorm. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that, or what if he got blown into one of the other multiverse and he's joined with a Stein that's there and that caused yeah. a ripple through the fabrics of the universe. Well, he says in the one part where um, he's like one of the biggest rifts between earth two and earth one is right there at star labs. Right. Right. That's when he collapses. Mm-hmm. So maybe true. Maybe yeah. Ronnie being on the earth two side and him being on this side with that rift being there, it's kind of messing with him. Yeah. Cause I don't see that being the end of Ronnie. Oh, like, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, of course not. I just think he's on the well, other we, side. And we know that, it's not the end of Stein. Right. And I, I think that we may not get Firestorm right away in Legends. I think that by the end of Legends, Ronnie will be back. I think that part of the reason why Stein is part of Legends is I think that he needs to because Ronnie's trapped or something. Yeah, he'd bring Ronnie right. back. Yeah, and that, that's bringing him back. Okay. Good stuff, though. Yeah, it was a good episode and good week for DCTV. Um, let me bring out the news bucket real quick before we uh, shut it down. All righty. Uh, if you go to DCTV Podcast Facebook group, you get a link. Uh, or if you scroll down, there's a link there. Um, New York Comic Con 2015, which one out of the three of us got to go to. Guess yep. which one? I, yes, I did. Um, they had a, a reunion panel of the original uh, voice cast of the Justice League cartoon. Couldn't get into that. Too crowded. I imagine it would be, but um, they had all the voices there. Uh, the first time they'd all been together since they recorded the show together. Um, the entire panel is available uh, on video on YouTube or, like I said, through the DCTV podcast Facebook page. There's a link there as well. Another thing announced at uh, New York Comic Con is the new Batman animated film in early 2016, Bad Blood. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it is not Batman teaming up with Taylor Swift. <laughs> it is uh, is a sequel to the Son of Batman uh, animated uh, movie that we got not too long ago, and it kind of expands the Bat family. It's bringing in Batwoman uh-huh. and Batwing. Please be better than Batman and Robin. I mean, the Batman and the Son. Yeah, Please it's all, it's directed by James Tucker, who directed the other one. He's also a uh, he's an alumni of the Bruce Tim uh, cartoons and in particular the Superman animated series. So we'll be seeing that in 2016. All right, uh, looks pretty cool. There is a uh, link 
to the preview, also on the DC TV podcast Facebook group. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Paul Rubens, a.k.a. Pee Wee Herman, will be playing Penguin's dad yes. on Gotham. Perfect. Which is interesting considering he played Penguin's dad in Batman Returns. <laughs> yep. In the very beginning, just for like 10 seconds. Yeah, they're not channeling Tim Burton's Batman at all. Oh, no, no. <laughs> I meant to do that. Yeah. Uh, also coming out of New York Comic Con our arrow and flash sizzle reels um they have some of the uh the footage that you've already seen this season if you've been following along but they also have some interesting hints and new things that you have oh, yeah. seen so far uh we also have on the facebook group a really great uh video um i don't know what you call it just a little video from the cast of supergirl mm-hmm. uh telling everyone the only two weeks to go and also from supergirl news chris vance has been cast as non now, um, Nan has been in the movies before. He was the big uh, silent guy played by Jack O'Halloran in uh, Superman 2. Right. He was, uh, he was Zod's, like, uh, you know, big hulking muscle guy. Um, Chris Vance is pretty big, but uh, he's not, like, as big as Jack O'Halloran. Um, and he's playing a different, different version. Right. It's a different version of that character. Uh, this is more of a brutish villain than the version uh, described in the movie. So... Cool he sounds like, yeah, he said. Well, in the comic, there is a comic where he non before he was hurt. Uh, he was a, a smart science, science, uh, scientific soldier. I would say. I guess he did a little bit of both. Um, and then he was hurt or something, and when he or banished or something happened to him, and I think he was uh, his he was brain he his his mind was was damaged in, in battle and. He turned into the knob that you see in the Superman 2 movie. So I think the, the implication of this is this is he's more like Zod. He's, he's smart. He's um, very uh, tactical savvy, but also I think he's also evil at the same time. Very cutthroat and, and evil. Mm-hmm. So that's the version that it's the description of him described in the the synopsis of the show and he and he's a recurring character he's going to be in at least eight episodes but uh that's all the big dc tv news come out of new york comic-con cool uh we are uh once again you know in the thick of every four episodes that's why the, this episode of the podcast has lasted so long and uh Daryl has to go now and, and get his drink on and so does uh, uh chubb so let's go ahead and wrap this up uh yeah, bro. Yeah, bro. I gotta yeah. do some keg stands, yeah? Oh, uh, bro. You have no my idea. Total, my total beer pong skills. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed this podcast, and uh, I hope you did, uh, we have other podcasts of a Geeky Persuasion available at hhwlod.com, including The Black Box for my good friend Mr. Sean Pryor, who has been podcasting with a vengeance lately yes. and with, with awesome results. Uh, we also have the Weedonverse podcast there. We have the Walking Dead TV podcast there. We're in full swing there. Now the new season has begun, and the premiere episode was awesome. And yes. uh, we had a really good discussion about the premiere episode, actually, on the uh, right. on the podcast. And we we're, we're going to be doing episode by episode, as we always do, uh, throughout the season. So you want to check that out as well. Um, we have all kinds of great uh, podcasts there. Check it out. Uh, we also have Half Hour Wasted, of course, the progenitors, the, yes. the godfathers of, of the medium. <laughs> Just go there. H- com. 
That's what and you want to check out. All it's the all connected. Stop being lazy. Get, get yeah. that show going. Right. I want to hear excuses. You got one show. Exactly. You got 400. <laughs> you can't you keep up with one show. One. Huh? You got one show to talk about. Sure. You can't get it together for 45 minutes or something. I guess not. Uh, it's all connected. It can also be found at the Marvel uh, Exchange site. After you've uh, exhausted all those pod podsibilities, oh, I love that one. <laughs> um, then go over to TaylorNetworkPodcast.com because over there you will find a plethora of other cool podcasts, including one of my favorites that just put up a new episode, the Magnum Cast, uh, the, the yeah. podcast devoted to Magnum PI. <laughs> yes. <laughs> of course, that's what everyone needs. But uh, we have, you know, of course, no apologies. There's... Um, uh, um, the, the Comic Rack Snark Fest. You got uh, JK's Happy Hour. Uh, oh, and speaking Games of Comic World. Rack Snark Cast, we, we're going to have one of my co-hosts on that on that podcast on here as a guest. That's right. She's loving. She's loving that Gotham man. Yeah, we, I can't wait to have her on to talk about it. It'll be awesome. Yeah. Um, all kinds of podcasts are there though. TaylorNetworkOfPodcast.com. There's also a really good discussion group there on the internet uh, at Taylor Network of Podcasts. Uh, join the group, have a lot of fun. Uh, we do. Yes. And uh, I can't think of anything else I need to plug or promote. Mm. Uh, other than if you want to hear Daryl and I talk with Donnie Salvo on more general topics of television, and there's a lot of television to talk about right now because we're in the middle of fall premiere season. Oh, yes. Uh, please check out the Nothing's On podcast at the Taylor Network of Podcasts. And I got like five more shows to watch tonight so I can be ready for the. Yeah, I'm just recording not, in the morning. I just I, I put them on goggles as I sleep, so I can <laughs> them sleep and I wake up and remember them. That's right. So until next week, when we have another uh, full slate of four episodes of DC Television. Thank you, John, yeah. for joining me tonight. I really appreciate your uh, participation. And we are ghosts. Take 